World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Welcome to the Extreme Hangover edition of Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kowalski. Hi. Uh, I have some guests with me. I have returning to the show, Chris Luminello. Hello. He's doing homework right now. He's no, a te- I'm raising he's a, homework. He's a teacher and he's grading papers. Uh, we're all in the same room because Chris and Leah had a party last night and I slept on their sofa. Uh, this is the first time I'm recording this show with people who are in the same room as me. Uh, oh, also Leah is here. Hi. Say hi. Hello. Uh, and we're going to cover, uh, which one are we doing? For? Oh, we're doing, um, as a psychiatrist, I had this one case that really disturbed me. I think that was the name of it. Uh, it's got a really long, complicated name. <sighs> anyway, this was suggested by Dig on Twitter. Hey, what's up? Um, and it's from this website that has a bunch of translated um, Japanese creepypastas from, like, 2chan and stuff. Uh, I forget the name of the website. I'm gonna have to look at my phone to see what it is. I'm doing it now. I'm clicking the links. Uh, It's sayainunderworld.blogspot.com It was posted in 2007. Uh, the proper title is A Case That Chilled a Psychiatrist to the Bone. Uh, and um, who wants to uh, recap this story? Let's, uh, let's have Chris do it, because he liked it more. Okay. Um, I'm going to do this off the top of my head. Um, so this couple moves into town uh, to escape a stigma, because their son was a... Hikikomori. Hikikomori, which is a, an extreme shut-in. Uh, and their neighbor is a psychiatrist person telling the story. Uh, they're living there a long time. Uh, nobody ever sees the son, but they all know about him just because people gossip, I suppose, is the idea. Um, yeah. And eventually, he constantly hears, uh, the mother yelling at the son, like begging him to go outside, uh, begging him to try to just try to be more healthy in that respect. Um, and finally, the father. Uh, six months later. Six months later, the yeah. father approaches the psychiatrist and says, I need you to come to my home. We really need your help, please. So the psychiatrist, wanting to be a good neighbor, is like, yeah, okay. He goes there. Uh, he goes to the son's room. He opens the door, sees uh, the bed with the son asleep. He pulls back the bed sheets, and it is a mannequin. And the father says, my wife is really not well. Yeah. It's the old bait and switch. Yeah, that gives you... What's interesting about this is um, the son definitely existed at some point, because the narrator mentions that he had glimpsed the son. Uh, it says, half a year has passed since I caught a glimpse of the son, and that's when we get into the twist part. So at some point, the son like dies or moves out, Yeah, I guess. 
Um, but the mom uh, is still yelling at a mannequin. Unless it's like some Norman Bates thing. Yeah. <laughs> a reverse Norman Bates where the yeah. mom is dressing up as her son. A Norm-mom of Bates. <laughs> the son is like a dried up corpse sitting in the upstairs window. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, Leah, how did this story hit you? Um, I mean, I was kind of expecting the ending. Really? Um, from, like, the moment that I started reading it. So, I don't know. Probably gonna forget about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of, because it's translated from another language, uh, sort of, the language, the actual prose is sort of clumsy, uh, which kind of makes the story forgettable. I actually, I kind of like that. One of my favorite authors is Haruki Murakami, and that's like all of his stories kind of read that way. And it's, I don't know, there's something I find really appealing about it. It's sort of very literal, hmm. like step by step what's being told. It doesn't have any of the usual, uh, like, it doesn't sound as poetic in English. It probably sounds much more poetic in its original language. I would assume that Murakami has a professional translator, though, whereas this is just someone's blog where they were translating Japanese stories. Yeah, the translations are good, but it's it's still... You still hit that sort of weird linguistic gap sometimes. Like, there won't be contractions where there maybe should be while people are talking. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I like it a lot. Yeah, I well, I the story it most reminds me of is Candle Cove, uh, which is another story that is very short and is mostly about the twist at the end. Um, there's a motorcycle passing, so there are also birds that live in the air conditioner that keep banging. <laughs> so if you hear any weird noises, it's just the environment. We're not turning into motorcycles like Lady Gaga. She was born that. Way. Yeah, sorry, she was born a motorcycle and turned into a human woman. My bad. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, um... Uh, lost my train of thought. Uh, don't don't drink beer, kids. I feel great. <laughs> I'm having another beer this morning. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of hair of the dog that bit you. Stop saying beer. <laughs> uh, it's a holiday party in Donald Trump's America, so everyone needed to do uh, many shots. If it's Donald Trump's America, it's a Christmas party. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. War on war on Christmas. <laughs> hashtag Starbucks cup. Is that? Well, I don't know what the hashtag is for the Starbucks cup that they don't hashtag like. Hashtag boycott Starbucks. That's very direct. It didn't work, though. <laughs> their sales went up. Uh, and also, uh, it especially didn't work because their form of boycott was to go to Starbucks and order a drink and have them put Trump on it. The system works. Oh, hashtag Trump Cup. Trump Cup. Yeah, that was it. There's probably a boycott Starbucks one, too, which makes more sense if you disagree with their policies to not give them your money. Which is why I usually don't shop at Walmart or Chick-fil-A. Though I did break my Chick-fil-A embargo because they said that they were going to stop donating money to some homophobic organizations. So that was nice of them. They're probably still very bad, though. Oh, and because Walmart said that they were going to start paying their workers $15. I don't think they're that. Aren't they legally required to do that in New York anyway? I don't know. No, that's not the minimum wage in New York yet. Yeah, it doesn't change until, uh, like, 2018 or whatever. It's working up. Oh, we won't have a country by then. Uh, yeah, we'll all be dead from the nuclear also, wars. Also, $15 won't be enough anymore. Yeah. Already so, not, not, that it's not, not, not that it's enough now, but, like, in, like, three or four years, it's going to be even more like, uh. 
it's yeah. it's got to be like eighteen fifty or something already by now for in order yeah. for it to be a living wage. It makes me really mad when an employee like the amount of profit that they pull in in like four or five minutes is more than that employee makes in an entire hour. Like I remember when I worked at the movie theater where I I used to run a movie theater. Uh, if I sold one popcorn, that would cover an employee's entire pay for an entire hour, and they still thought that they were being paid too much. And That's that really, crazy. Really makes me sick. Yeah, there needs to be some sort of limit on corporate profits. Um, I guess this isn't related to the story at all. It is scary. It is the uh, most scary. It's the scariest thing. Uh, oh, this all came off of us talking about why we were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's because capitalism is extremely bad. Extremely uh, scary. Yes. On this creepy podcast. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I like this. Hiki. Uh, it's interesting, though, because we don't really have the concept of hikikomori here, because uh, we don't have as widespread ability to have things just, like, delivered to you. Uh, and also, we have less of a culture of families all living together. Uh, like, if you live with your parents, it's sort of like... Oh, You're a millennial. Yeah, it's sort of just like, well, well poor economic conditions. No Whereas, it's my understanding that if you live with your parents in Japan, that's the normal way, because families just sort of all, like, live in the same house for generations. Now, while I was reading this story, and I want to tread lightly here, I was wondering if, like, I don't know exactly how the family units work. I don't know if they're insulari- insulary in this way, but, like, I know that Japan for a long time was a uh, very, like, intentionally isolated country. They didn't want anybody trading with them. They didn't want any outsiders, like... Yeah, it wasn't until after World War II that they really had any trade relationship with any European countries or yeah. America. There's a word for that. I can't remember what it is. Isolationism. That's the one. Thank yep. you. And I'm curious if that has something to do with this, like, well, that person is just isolating themselves. Yeah, it could, there's sort of a general theme in a lot of Japanese art of social isolation or being physically isolated, and I feel like uh, it's maybe something that's endemic to their society, the way sort of uh, lots of different fears of other people are endemic to our society. Like, uh, a lot of our art reflects our uh, fear of another person coming and hunting you down. Whereas, like, if you play a scary Japanese video game, uh, the scary part is that you're all alone. If it's a good video game, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, in Silent Hill, it's not necessarily the monsters that are scary. What's scary is that you're by yourself. That's the monsters that are scary. It's that there might be monsters and you just don't know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so it could be... Uh, it's, I don't know, this is all cultural speculation because I'm not Japanese and have not visited Japan. It's just something I've observed because I have a lot of, I have like a bunch of friends who have visited or lived there or currently live there. Uh, so, and also a lifetime of growing up on imported Japanese media the way uh, millennials do. We're like all raised on video games and anime, right? <laughs> Well, not yeah. not Leah, I guess, huh? No, no, she's that she's having that awakening right now. <laughs> what awakening? The realizing like, anime is good. No, I still don't like anime, and I never have. And not you're still even, very bad at video games. And I'm still like very bad at video games. <laughs> not <laughs> I don't even like make them. Little Witch Academia or Sailor Moon. No, I tried watching that. I, c- I couldn't get into it. Which one? Little Witch Academia. Uh, I haven't bothered. I don't know. I haven't watched an anime that I've really liked in like. Did you watch Madoka? Years. 
I don't know what that is. Monoka Magica. It's uh, the best anime that I've probably ever seen. Uh, Fulukuli might be better. Fulukuli is my favorite. I'm very, very interested to see what's happening with this supposed new season. That mm, yeah, I'm nervous about it. Um, oh, you would probably like Death Note. It's a lot like Breaking Bad or Hannibal. Here's um, the problem. I work in a high school with a bunch of nerdy teens, and they all love anime. Yeah. I don't want to like anything that my students <laughs> like. They probably don't like Death Note, because it came out before Death they were Note. born. They love it. What? They all uh, I guess because it's it. on Netflix. Thank God for them internets. Uh, yeah, I would recommend Death Note and Monica Magica, because they're both uh, dark, very... Well, Monica is about how being a Sailor Moon would actually be extremely upsetting and bad. <laughs> uh... <laughs> And um, Death Note is sort of like a cat and mouse detective thing where you follow uh, both Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter, and they both know that uh, Hannibal is a cannibal, but neither of them, like, they're playing cat and mouse trying to prove it. That's fun. Uh, yeah, except it's with teenagers, and it's- one of them is like a weird shut in, one of them is a Hikikomori sort of. Uh, he sort of just, like, no one really knows what he looks like. He, like, comes out and people meet him for the first time because he's trying to catch the main character who is killing people with a magic notebook. So he wants to get Mads Mikkelsen, who is a wizard. Yes. Cool. Is no, that's show- Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> he's a wizard in that. Yeah, well. <laughs> is this show, like, 40 seasons long, though? Death Note is 37 episodes. Oh, okay. Then I can get behind that. Uh... It's really, That's my biggest problem with anime. Is like yeah, it's too long. Where it's like, I don't want to watch 40,000 hours of people charging their lasers or whatever. <laughs> it's really, really, really good up until, like, episode 26, and then sort of, like, inadequate until the grand finale. Um, like and, Twin Peaks. Yeah, and then the the, uh, the two live-action movies are really good. The only live-action anime movie I've seen is Phoenix, Ace Attorney, right? yeah. And I thought it was great. I thought that was so <laughs> dumb and fun, just like those dumb and fun games. Oh, we're getting a, a Death Note movie on Netflix. I think it comes out next year. Uh, an American remake by uh, Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett. I don't uh, think that there should be American remakes. I think Simon Barrett. Anime movies. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, like, well, we, saw, we all saw what happened with Dragon Ball. Uh, well, I think that this will be good because I trust the creator, and he's done adaptations in the past. Oh, what about friggin' uh, The Ghost Blair in the Witch. Shell? That's gonna be... Oh, that's like, gonna be a nightmare. It's really, like, aesthetically pleasing, except that it's incredibly racist-looking. Well, I saw a side-by-side comparison of them recreating shots from the anime, and the live-action shots completely miss the, like, tone and beauty of the shots that they're trying to imitate. So it's, like, completely pointless that they're bothering trying to imitate them at all, because, like, oh, here's this beautiful anime shot where she's, like, silhouetted against the bright city, and then live-action, she's not silhouetted, everything's just gray, and Well, that's, that's a looking. problem with modern film in general. Yeah, like, I want movies to look like Pacific Rim, which is like all bright colors and shiny chrome and cool, and like instead they all look like uh, Man of Steel or Transformers. You know, even the first Transformers has more color to it than most action movies these days anymore. I want all movies to look like Wes Anderson movies. That would be fine, too. Those are also all muted and dull, but the colors are all wacky, muted, and dull. It's, it's like, like bright like colors. Like old pastels. Yeah. Like here in that old hotel that was abandoned and all the colors faded. <laughs> Instead of everything being the color of brushed steel. Yeah. Everything just looks like a MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was the story? Uh, it's about some agoraphobe who's a mannequin. 
Yeah, um, so what's your interpretation? Did the son die, or did he move away, and the mom can't handle that he moved away? I don't away? think there was a son to begin with. I think that she carried the mannequin around, and I think that that's why the narrator only saw brief glimpses. Ooh. I like that. I'm gonna go with that one. Uh, yeah, it's, um... It's, uh, it's not indicated that he had, like, where he saw the sun, and he just said that he caught a glimpse of him, so maybe it was, like, through a window or something. It disturbs me a lot that we're told that they hear the mother yelling at the mannequin often, though. Like, that's the only thing that would lead me to believe that maybe either she and her son had a falling out, if there was a real son, or he died, because that would be her, like, putting her anger on the mannequin, I guess. Like as a coping mechanism? Yeah. I feel like that there must have been a real son at some point, because why? otherwise why would randomly six months later, after the guy had last seen him, the dad would come over and be like, please help my wife. Yeah. Maybe he just heard that his neighbor was a psychiatrist. No, but they were friendly, right? Were they? I don't know. The story has so little to it that you just kind of have to assume a lot. Um... Yeah, it doesn't actually say, so yeah, there's a lot we have to assume. Yeah, it's totally reasonable that the father, like, did not know that he was a psychiatrist. Yeah, it says I had never been involved with them personally or as a doctor, but since we were neighbors and neighbors were supposed to help each other, I agreed to come. Well, do you think that he's just grabbing him just because he needs a neighbor's help? Because that doesn't make any sense to me, because, like, oh no, like, she's gonna hurt the mannequin, who cares? I mean, he must have known... Yeah, I feel like that might also be a Japanese culture thing, like, we know what people... We know people based on their careers. Well, I... It could be. I feel like just anyone older uh, is more involved in their neighborhood. Whereas we're all internet shut The character was older. Uh, well, I did because it's a psychiatrist. You can be a psychiatrist by, like, age... Like, I also assumed that the narrator was a woman. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I just refer to the narrator as it because I didn't want to <laughs> use gender just now. Um... Yeah, the couple is uh, in their 60s, it says, and their son is about 30. So I assumed that the psychiatrist was around, uh, like, maybe younger than the parents, but older than the son. I assumed he, the narrator would be about 30. I can't get over the fact that he was, you thought it was a lady. That's awesome. I should have... I feel like the only reason we assumed it was a dude is because we're dudes. Yeah, probably. I just always assume that psychiatrists are women, unless otherwise... You're the sexist one. I don't know. Then it's not like I always apply. Like, usually I do assume, especially in creepypastas, um, that it's a male narrator. I don't know why. I always read it, though, as, like, maybe, like, a, like, 27-year-old, like, male... That's usually the people who are writing it. Yeah, I think that's that's probably why. Um, but with um, shrinks specifically, I always assume it's a woman. I've only had female shrinks, though. So. I have had 50-50 male and female. When I was a kid, I went to a child psychologist who was... Um, uh, dude, and then my adult, uh, my adult psychiatrist, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, my adult uh, talk therapists have always been women. Psychologist, it would be a psychiatrist if they're able to. Well, I'm including both. Oh, okay. Psychiatrists and psychologists—they've all been women as an adult, hmm. and it was a child psychiatrist that I saw because he prescribed me Zoloft. Um, it didn't work. It just made me tired. I wasn't uh, depressed back then. I was just smarter than everyone, and it made me mad. I mean, that's still the case, but I know that I shouldn't be mad about it. <laughs> uh, anyway. <coughs> uh, uh, no, I'm not gonna. 
my you can <laughs> the thing the reason that I think that they know the neighbor is a psychiatrist is because the father says the person I want you to see is my wife who cannot bear to accept the reality. That's some weird diction there. Yeah, it's very specific. Except the reality. Not except reality. It seems like the reality is something referring to, like, a specific fact or That's incident. Mm-hmm. It could just be a quirk of the translation, but it also could be indicating, like, something has happened to our son and my wife cannot accept it. Ooh, that's true. That's some good close reading. Yeah, I mean, I do host this uh, this literary discussion podcast every week. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not true. I don't host it every week. Sometimes I record a bunch ahead of time. Uh, we're also watching Parks and Recreation on mute right now, uh, and Chris Pratt, uh, pre-getting swole, so back when he was still, like, chubby and handsome. He was swole, but in a different (laughs) Yes, he was swollen with cheeseburgers, (laughs) in a very handsome and good way. Uh, so it's, like, consensus that everyone prefers fat Chris Pratt, right? I think Chris Pratt prefers fat Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt? I mean, I would prefer to hang out with fat Pratt. (laughs) Other things I would prefer to do with Pratt. <laughs> I yeah, like I think that he's uh, very, very handsome as a fit man, but I think that it uh, suits his body and personality uh, more in an attractive way to be a chubby dude. Have that conversation yesterday about Chris Pratt that I enjoyed a lot. I don't remember during that voting game. Oh yes, that was fun. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, do we? Uh, what's the scariest part of the story for you, Leah? The scariest part of the story. Um, I'm afraid of people who don't leave the house. Ooh. So I guess the fact that that's the subject matter in general is really spooky. I get really uncomfortable with the idea that someone can just like be in one place all the time and be okay with it. That makes me feel like there's something horribly wrong with the person. With or the person. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad you feel that way about me. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's the scariest part of the story to you? Um, I'm going to say that it's it, it's kind of unsettling to me that the father-husband figure like waited six months hoping that his wife would just get better. Yeah. Like, that's sort of a weird, unhealthy approach to it. Like, we'll just wait it out. Maybe, maybe your brain will stop being broken if we just wait hard enough. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, it could have either been he... Like, the unknowns kind of make it creepy. Like, yeah. either there was never a son, and, like, wow, how long did they pretend? Well, like, or the son left, and it was so... Like, they waited so long to get help. It bothers me that... Cause, well, it sounds to me like the husband did not have any issues, but was just hoping... Like, his wife was having issues, and he was hoping that she would get better. But, like, when your wife comes home with a mannequin and says, this is our son, that should probably be the, mo- the moment where you're like, okay, honey, yeah. and then you call for help. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I really like the twist. Uh, I, I think that mannequins are creepy, and it sort of reminds me of that, uh, there's a movie that came out, like, a year or two ago called The Boy. And it's about this couple, and they have a son who is just, like, this creepy-looking porcelain doll. And they hire a nanny, and they're like, here's our son, please take care of him. And the nanny's like, uh... That sounds like a great job, though. Well, the pay's good, so... Yeah, but then... Sit in the room. But then freaky ghost stuff starts happening. Uh, The scariest movie I've ever seen 
is similar, and it stars Ryan Gosling. It's called Lars and the Real Girl. I didn't see that. Isn't that just a, like a sad uh, sex drama? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, there's no no sex in it. Well, not it's with people, drama. right? <laughs> It's implied he doesn't have sex with that sex doll he's in love with. That makes it creepier. Yeah. Because that's what they're for. Well, not in his case. Well, um, I was about to give the end of our Pokemon podcast. Thanks for stopping by. (laughs) We hope to see you again, but that's not right. Um, uh, Well, I usually read a line from the story, so I guess I will do that. Uh, so, thank you, dear listener. The person I want you to see is my wife, who cannot bear to accept the reality.